Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. My name is Jay. Uh, I live in Columbus, Ohio, originally from south side of Chicago, and I had a near-death experience, also known as a full-death experience. My story starts on the south side of Chicago. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago, and we lived in the Inglewood district of Chicago, a pretty rough side of the city. I've experienced a lot of, I want to say, roller coaster of emotions and events uh, during my childhood, all which gave me the strength to survive and make it up to this moment. My father, he was a family man, but he, for the most part, he did sell drugs. Uh, he was in the gang uh, along with most of my uh, most of my family, and I didn't know what he was doing at the time because I was still a young one. But I do remember some of the things that stuck with me to this day, like uh, the drug deals, the uh, shootouts, the fights, the times where we didn't want for anything. You know, we were treated like I want to say almost like ghetto royalty, so to speak, in our neighborhood. But where we live, my grandmother and my grandfather did not really agree with it or whatnot. And we found our house being raided pretty often, you know, I would say like every other weekend, it seemed like. And we were children and we didn't really know what was going on. We started a little bit, but for the most part, we were always had to go to the back room to sit it out and wait for the police to leave and then come out, the house is a mess and everything. And even though some may say that this fear is traumatizing, this fear is also, I want to say, useful as you get older for some. For us, it was. Nevertheless, my mom, she didn't want us to keep us in that environment. So she's about to move us to the projects of Chicago. And anyone who heard or know the projects in Chicago, it can be pretty rough, especially back in the 80s. But my grandmother, my mom's mom, she didn't want us to go into that environment. So she bought a home about about four or five blocks away from where we were to get us out of that area. It may sound funny, like four or five blocks is not that far, but it was far enough to not put us in that environment. While there, I had to meet new people. I had to adjust to a new life, spend time with my uh, mom's side of the family. Also... <laughs> experienced things that were a little different from 
He was only a few blocks away, but it was a little different, but yet challenging. We saw, uh, again, fights, shootouts again. I was bullied in elementary school uh, all the way up until grade school. Um, then I, I met a group of friends that are still my friends to this day. Uh, we started dancing. Uh, we did uh, shows, um, a bunch of concerts, uh, some with like uh, Ghetto Boys, Red Man, Method Man, uh, DJ Quick, Usher. We were contestants at the Apollo Theater twice, uh, one in my teenage years, probably like 15, and then the other one is 17. All, I said all those things to say that everything that I was experiencing growing up on the south side of Chicago, it gave me strength for the next thing that came my way. And it was always something that came my way, as it is with most people. So one of the things that came my way was after performing and dancing and everything, uh, I met the mother of my four children uh, in, I want to say, 90s. Was it 96 or something like that? Uh, we got involved in everything and we eventually got pregnant with my oldest daughter. And I, I worked, I always kept a job, worked to provide for my family, regardless of everything that was going on around me. I kept busy, you know? So by this time, we had had like three children. <laughs> One day I was walking, we were just sitting on the block, just hanging out and everything. And guys in the neighborhood were selling drugs and we would chase them off because we had children running around. We would chase them off and everything. And my the mother of my children, she wanted to move to Ohio. I didn't want to move because my family and friends was there. You know, I didn't know anything else. But her mom had just moved here. So I wasn't going to leave. But one day I found drugs on the side of my grandmother's house on the ground where kids while, while our children were playing. And I said, you know what, I'm up. So we left, three children, hatchback Hyundai accent, got up here, uh, and it was a totally different world for me. I didn't know anything other than the South Side of Chicago, but it was, it started to get rough. I started to get homesick, and I did see a sudden change, not just in my environment, but in myself and my relationship. Uh, it seemed as if it started to go south, regardless of anything I was trying to do. And we ended up staying with her mom or her parents who at the time didn't really like me. So it was, it was a lot of stress, <laughs> you know, for me. And then coming somewhere that I didn't know of, I had to provide now for three children and a fiance. So I was uncomfortable being there. I didn't know what to do, just looking around, finding a job the best way I could. And that same year you had what was it? The 9-11. Uh, 9-11 happened. It's pretty devastating to us and as was to the rest of the world. And it, it, even though it was shocking, it kind of was like a precursor to a change in the things of, of what my world would be like. One would say that it proved that my world was going to be a little more chaotic than I was used to. So... We got our own place about a year later, and after we got our own place, that's when things started to kick in. We were having a disagreement, you know, that night. 
the beginning of the end for our relationship. We were having an agreement and all of a sudden my dad called and said that your grandmother is not, you know, not doing too well. I felt bad, you know, I thought maybe she would hang on a little bit, but later on that evening he called me again and said she passed. So I didn't get time to grieve because I was still trying to figure out things here in Ohio. So we just went there, buried my grandmother, you know, became just like one of the backbones of the family, keep everybody together. And again, yet I didn't process the grief. I just knew life had to continue going on. So when we made it back here, uh, we found out we were pregnant, which is now, he's now 20, (laughs) my youngest son. And as time, I probably said a few months go by and we're pregnant. She was upset with me because I guess she felt that her being pregnant, her career was going to be her career or what she wanted to do kind of got sidetracked and it was my fault. We'll see how, but she was yelling at me, so to speak, and we was having our disagreement and she took the ring off, put it on the table, said and gave it was over and it was over. I was a little devastated, a little shocked, but then probably about 10 minutes later, I got another call from Chicago and this was, like I said, almost a year later. Another call from a Chicago from my cousin telling me that my cousin Vale was dead. I didn't want to believe it, but my cousin Vale had just got killed on the front lawn of my grandmother's house, the grandmother who had just passed a year prior. I am feeling some kind of way. At the same time, I'm still kind of numb because of my grandmother passed the prior year. Now my relationship is over. Now my cousin passed. We went to go bury him. And I felt just as bad, if not worse, because right before I left there one time, I didn't see him. And I told him I'll see him the first time. The first person I see when I come back. And I never got a chance to see him as the first person when I come back. So that kind of hurt me. But we came back and it seemed like when we got back, it just seemed like it didn't get better, you know. And again, as I told you before, everything that I experienced throughout my life were all strength builders for everything that came afterwards. So while we were getting adjusted and everything, still no room for grief. I had to hustle and bustle, get a gig, take care of my family and everything. I started back working for Coca-Cola because I worked for Coca-Cola, I want to say three years prior to us moving here. So I started working back for Coca-Cola and I want to say in 2005, I went to go do a checkup. We had to do a checkup for a job. I went to do a checkup and the doctor said that I had lupus. I wasn't really sure what lupus was, but they told me it can be fatal, but I didn't have time to put a lot of energy to it again because I was pumping, you know, still just going with the flow, like on autopilot. I found I had lupus, just kept working. And then all of a sudden we had uh, one said death in the family. Time went on. Uh, a couple of years later, found out that I had severe depression and anxiety. And then fast forward, as we we're going through all these issues with the mother of my children, we broke up by that time. I started having custodial issues going back and forth to court, putting more pressure on me. And like I said, there was no room for grief. Because I was going through so much, I just had to keep it going for my kids. Uh, And it seemed like every year 
every year there was a death in the family. My great grandmother, my uh, great uncle, my cousin, another cousin. It just felt like it wouldn't stop. You know, my uncle just felt like it wouldn't stop. And all I can do is just keep going. You know, all I can do is keep going and just make it through to take care of my kids. I eventually ran into a book called The Autobiography of a Yogi and started meditating because of this book. And it helped me keep calm and change my life for the better throughout the whole mess. But who knew that I would need that calm and that that calmness and that patience about a couple years later, about 2013, I went to the doctor uh, for a checkup and come to find out that I had a pulmonary embolism, uh, blood clot in my lung. Again, they said it was something that could be fatal and I didn't think nothing of it, <laughs> you know, just like the previous, you know, they said, take this medicine. If you don't, you could die. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, so I just did what I supposed to do, took the medicine. At the same time, I was into herbals and everything. So I would take that every now and then and with my meditation. And those were the things that kept me going. And everything that happened gave me, like I said, all this strength for the biggest battle that I didn't see coming. After I got my diagnosis, I found myself sometimes getting sick at work and throughout my day. I was having anxiety attacks every day, sometimes like a couple times a day. I would do my checkups, you know, because of the lupus and the pulmonary embolism. And next thing you know, one pulmonary embolism turned to two pulmonary embolisms. And then in 2015, I'm doing what I usually do, work and everything. And all of a sudden, my little sister called me and told me that my uncle was dead. My uncle had got killed. And the kicker was, yeah, I got killed by my little brother in my grandma's house in her kitchen. That hurt. It was more of a shocker. Uh, went to his funeral, 2015 again, went to his funeral. We buried him, gave like a speech to the family to console the family and everything. And afterwards, just came home and dealt with my own medical situation. So late 2015, early 2016, I was going to the doctor for another checkup and I was having chest pains and they said that I had anxiety. Again, they just kept coming. It's just like, what can you do but keep moving, you know? I had angina, which is, I guess, the weakness of the heart muscle. I brushed it off. Another thing, you know, just working 24 hours, sometimes over time. It was just a lot just to take care of my family. I was stressing, missing meals. Sometimes I have like an apple, you know, a day because of my issues with the custodial things and then child support and all that and this it started it really started wearing tear on my body even though I didn't show it emotionally to people one day I was coming in for work the evening of August 18 2016 I was having a, my chest felt funny I couldn't really put my finger on it it wasn't like it was any pain or anything but it was the evening but I just knew that I was just coming in, turning in, getting ready for, to go to bed, call my mom, my buddies and everything. And the next thing you know, I wake up in the hospital about a week later. I had no idea what happened, but I know when I opened my eyes, I looked to my left 
not only do I see this radiant glow of light around my family, which I know to be love because of what I experienced, I'll tell you about that. The doctors and everybody's like, Jay, Jay, do you know where you are? Do you know why you're here? He said, you had a heart attack. You, we lost you. you. You died and you're back. We're glad to have you back. I didn't think anything of it. You know, I was just sitting there with tubes all connected to me, you know, in a woman's hospital room with its tubes all through me. I still got my trach mark and burn marks on my chest from the uh, defibrillator. But as I regain consciousness, I see like my buddy and his wife and my kids, they're all at the end of my bed, you know, uh, his wife holding my hand saying, if you recognize me, squeeze my hand. I squeezed the hand and I went back out. And the more I regained my consciousness, they started telling me what happened. They said that I drove myself to the hospital that evening, parked my car, walked through the emergency room doors. And as soon as I got into the hospital, I collapsed and went into cardiac arrest. I had to be resuscitated twice. Uh, they put a stent in my heart to stabilize me and then flew me to Riverside Hospital here in Columbus, uh, which is a trauma hospital. They said... When I got there, my eyes would open and they said that I was fighting. So they just figured they'd fight with me. But nevertheless, I coded two, three more times. And the last time was it. I flatlined. Before I coded that last time, they called my mom and everybody and my family, which my kids were here with their mom. And then they called my mom. In Chicago, a family said someone need to get here. He's not looking good. You know, he need to have somebody here with him. Of course, they reacted as you would think they would react, you know, in panic. And they started to try to get together so they can come out to me. I would say it was like early morning of the 19th. Probably, I think it was like four early morning. They said, we've been working on him for like a half an hour. You know, somebody need to come up here with him. So as they got ready and they started making their way up, up here, shortly after they called my mom back and said that they had lost me and there was nothing they can do that I was, I had died. So my mom didn't believe it and she would, they still proceeded to come up here. When they got up here, it was probably late afternoon, uh, almost the evening. She got off the elevator, and when she got off the elevator, she was met by the mother of my children and my whole host of associates and uh, friends and the family that was here, which was on her side, mother of my children's side. And she got off the elevator, and she said, where's my baby? And the mother of my children said, he's been gone all day. I'm sorry, he's been gone all day. And my mom was collapsed, as you would think, believe what happened, and... They had to get her together and they came to my room. And when she came to my room, I was hooked up to all these tubes and everything. And the doctors proceeded to tell them that to go ahead and just pull, disconnect, turn the machine off so they can officially call it. And the reason they didn't do it so fast because they gave them the benefit to come up there to be with me in my last moments. So they were about to do it. And my daughter, who was 18, she, just, she had just turned 18. She said, don't, not yet. And they said, he's been gone the entire day. There's nothing we can do. He's already gone. 
She said, no, he's still in there. I don't care. He's still, he's still in there. She said, just wait. Why don't just wait one extra day? So they waited. He went to the house, started packing up my home, started making memorial plans. My job had drafted up the uh, condolences letter already ready for my family. I still have that condolences letter that was sent to my family uh, saying that we were notified that your loved one. I still have that letter. And the family was just clearing out the house until the next morning, the 19th. The doctors called them and said, you won't believe this. Come back to the hospital and we found a faint pulse. So they were excited and elated at the same time and surprised as well as the doctors. So when they rushed back up to the doctors, the doctors said that even though we found a faint pulse, we don't know what his quality of life is going to be because he had been deceased for an entire day, brain without oxygen and everything. So they said, we don't care. Keep him on. So it kept me on for my organs to come back, had me in medically induced coma, my organs to come back. And why that in that coma, I suffered 26 strokes throughout multiple parts of my brain. They waited for me to get together, came back, of course. And that was when, like I said, when I woke up and I started seeing family and everything. Some people ask me, what did you see? Do you remember anything? And, you know, I always say that, you know, I did not know that I was deceased. I didn't know. I thought maybe, I want to say maybe I had just was asleep or something. You know, I had no idea. But while I was out, I remember going down this tunnel. And this tunnel was like amber. And it was like, you know, circular all around, like a tunnel. You know, just circular all around, tunnel, duh. And there were people reaching up and reaching around. And I wasn't afraid or scared or anything, but they were just reaching up or reaching out to me. And I just noticed it and witnessed it and just kept going. By the time I got to the end of the tunnel, I found myself floating down the highway. And it was gloomy and misty and like dark outside. And it's just so ironic that it was like that because when it happened, it was dark outside. So I was floating down the highway. I passed a couple of landmarks here in Columbus. And then it was like almost all of a sudden, it was just like instant. I was up in space. Nobody, no fear, no anger, no doubt, no worry, no emotions. I just existed. I knew that I was. I was part of everything. You know, I was just observing. And Towards my footstool, I want to say towards the front of me, but down, I saw an Earth-like planet. I don't know if it was Earth. I always says Earth, but when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know. But it, it was Earth-like planet with energy protruding from it. And it looked like energy in a form of like a tree. You could see the energy coming out of the Earth throughout this tree and going back and down, like circulating in and out of this tree through the top. Uh, not going around like this, but it was just going up and down, circulating through the top. I saw it from afar, and then I looked to my left, and I saw like this galaxy or this swirl of stars that I thought was more like a, a wormhole or something. But years later, I come to find out, I was just scrolling through the internet and come to find out, like, wait a minute, I saw this. This is what I saw, and I found out it was the Andromeda Galaxy. So I saw these stars through this wormhole, which was the Andromeda galaxy, and I looked at the Earth, or the, the planet, and 
I was just looking back and forth at both of them, just observing, and I heard someone call my name, like to the right. I looked, just darkness, didn't see anybody, didn't observe anybody, but I heard someone call my name. And I found myself looking over again, and then looking at the planet again, and then just looking toward the darkness again, hearing my name being called. And after that, just darkness, don't remember anything else uh, while I was out. But when I came to, I would say it was the best. This may sound morbid. This was the, it was the best rest I ever had in my life. <laughs> you know, I was rested. I was clear conscious, clear headed. I just there, you know, when worried about pain or anything, I was just there. And the girl who I had just started dating in December of 2015, she was there right by my side, as well as my my kid's auntie. But the girl was there, still there. And she found out was because when she she works at the same hospital, when she just got home from work that morning and my son called her and said, dad died. And she rushed right back up to the hospital. And she was there the whole time, you know, she she never left. And one day she was just standing by my bed. And like I said, I was clear. I was fresh, pure, unadulterated mind, spirit, new, anew. But I looked over and she was holding my hand. I looked over at her and a tear started coming down my eye. And I looked back in front of me, and then I looked back up at her, and then I moved my mouth, even though I couldn't talk because of the trach and everything, and I asked her, will she marry me? <laughs> uh, she said yes. She cried. Uh, she said yes, so I was engaged in the hospital, halfway incapacitated. <laughs> but as I'm going and getting visitors from the hospital, from family. My mom kept coming back up like every weekend to see me, taking care of all my things and whatnot. I was in my bed and I heard the therapist was coming in and said, okay, you ready for your therapy? It's my first time doing therapy. They said, so are you ready? And I'm like, what do I need therapy for? You know, think anything of it. And I proceeded to try to get up and move my legs over. And it was kind of heavy. Couldn't find out I couldn't walk anymore so the therapy was for me regrouping i actually had to relearn how to walk uh, i had to relearn how to talk i had to relearn how to write uh certain cognitive skills i had to relearn a whole bunch of things i did my therapy started off with just sliding you know the steps afterwards i got out the hospital probably a month later a month and a half two months later and when I got out the hospital, it was like looking at the sky and I looking at everything like I had seen everything for the first time. It, nothing looked familiar. It was like a newborn baby. I was new to everything, every emotion, every physical thing. I was new. I also found out that the hard way that my life didn't just restart over spiritually and emotionally and mentally it started over economically as well because because of my now handicap i lost my job that i held for over nearly 20 years i lost my home 
I had to start over. I had to relearn how to drive. I had to get used to not using certain my left side of my body towards my, I'm gonna say from my uh, knee all the way down. Uh, I developed neuropathy, traumatic brain injury from the strokes. I have vertigo. Still have my lupus. It didn't go anywhere. I still have my asthma and my allergies, but I keep pushing, you know, and I stay optimistic for my future, regardless of everything that I've been through and everything that I experience. I am grateful for my experiences. It brought me closer to understanding who I am, brought me closer to understanding the purpose and the real meaning of love. That is not a word. It's an actual entity. It lives. It lives in all spaces, all realms at the same time. It's part of the creator. I understand it more, understand it better. I understand some of the things that was said by the Messiah when he said, I love thy enemy. Or when God said, how can you hate your brother who you see every day but hate me who you've never seen? I understand all these things so clear. And I try to share this with people and people. it's hard for people to grasp some of these things based off of emotion. The reason it's hard for them to grasp some of these things but I regret nothing. I am humbled. I am grateful, grateful, and I am blessed to still be here on this earth to not just share my story with others, but to share inspiration and perseverance. And for some, hopefully, understanding some of the spectrums of love and unconditional love. I started a business in 2019 to help people it's called the left aromatherapy the left aromatherapy meditation sanctuary to help people experience the joys of meditation through meditation and aromatherapy it is now a website um, i wanted to do a physical location but right now it's a, currently it's a website and it's a website that's designed to help people find what they need in this avenue. I wrote a book in 2018, self-published uh, via Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. It's called The Second Time Around, a memoir about a life, a death, and a second chance. Uh, so I've been busy. I've been trying to keep myself busy and occupied throughout this whole process, which also included me getting actually married <laughs> uh, and having another child. I know at 46, I have a three-year-old now, and uh, it's like this is all part of starting over. I welcome it. I'm, again, humbled by it. I'm grateful, and I have no doubts, and I'm very optimistic my future for me and my family will get brighter, regardless of everything. I'm still here, and I'm grateful. Thank you for hearing my story. Thank you for sitting with me. I pray you all the best in all your endeavors. And pray you all find what you're looking for. And some, my hope is peace and understanding in your life goals and in your paths. Thank you again. <laughs>